Good morning, Zion Covenant. It is such a pleasure to be back here with you again this morning. I had the incredible privilege of being here with you during the month of September. And when I was here last, I got to share with you about the life and story of Hagar and the way that God sees us in the midst of our vulnerabilities, especially in the midst of our vulnerabilities. And at that same time, I also got to share with you simultaneously about BRAVE, a local movement to empower at-risk girls. So before I get into the message this morning, I just want to pause and take a chance to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for the way that you supported the BRAVE event that happened in Jamestown on Saturday, October 19th. Because of your incredible generosity and the way that so many of you showed up to serve at that event, we had a turnout of around 500 people at the Willow Bay Theater on that Saturday. Girls, their parents, caregivers, volunteers. It was an absolutely incredible day of empowerment and a time for us to communicate to girls in our community, we see you, you are not invisible to us, you matter. We believe in you. We know that you can do hard and holy things, and we're with you. So as a token of my gratitude to you, I wanted to share with you just a little bit of what that event was like. So I have a one-minute recap video that I'm going to share with you. Go ahead and play that video, please. Thank you so very much, Zion, for this incredible gift to our community. Now let's go ahead and pray before I get started this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to be here gathered in this house of worship this morning with your people. Father, I pray that you would use your word this morning to convict us and to speak life into the places that we desperately need to hear from you in. We pray this in your name. Amen. So, since I was here last, in September, some things have changed in my life. Some pretty big things. In November, 
I resigned from my position at Conduit as the director of mission. Now, it'd be silly of me to go into all of the details of that decision, but I would like to share with you some of the broad strokes of why I made that decision. Because here's the thing, is that for months, maybe even closer to a year, I had been feeling the Spirit of God prompting me to make greater use of the gifts that he has given me, to step out of conduit at no fault to the church, into the great unknown. And instead of following that prompting, something we normally do, I kind of did the opposite, and I reacted in fear. I hunkered down, so to speak. You see, my desire for safety and security was way greater than my desire for good stewardship. It's like I wanted one at the core a divine appointment. You know how God seems to work in these funny, mysterious ways. I happened upon a story, a spoken word of sorts, done by a young woman by the name of Samantha Beach. A story called The One We Haven't Heard. And it was this modern retelling of the parable of the talents from the book of Matthew. And it hooked me. This eight-minute story really hooked me and got into me. I heard it for the first time in June on a podcast. And the first time that I listened to it, I felt like it soared, went right through my heart. And I immediately felt convicted that I was drifting in the stewardship of the gifts and talents that my master, God, has given me toward the posture of the last and final servant in the parable of the talents who chooses to bury his talents the master gave him out of fear. And honestly, the thought of that during the month of June just seemed way too large for me to unpack. So I did this thing that we humans do all the time, and I buried it, (laughs) and I just tried to forget it. But y'all, the thing about conviction is that it rarely ever fades until it gets resolved. Is somebody hearing me in this house this morning? The thing about conviction is that it rarely ever fades until it gets resolved. So the more I ran from this conviction, the more it found me. Until finally, on a day this November, I was trolling through Facebook, and I happened upon one of my friends who had made a post about her podcast. And she was posting about her most recent podcast episode. And in this episode, she had interviewed a woman by, wouldn't you know it, the name of Samantha Beach, the same one I had heard before. And again, Samantha Beach did a retelling of the parable of the talents. And this woman, the podcast interviewer, linked the video below in the comments. And so I watched it for the first time instead of just hearing it. And when I watched this video... I just melted. And I had this moment where I said, God, I don't want to be that servant. Not anymore. I don't want to bury the things you've given me. God, I want to be faithful. And I want to multiply what you've given me for your glory. So just give me a little bit of courage, God, to take the next right step, whatever that is. And it was like that itty-bitty baby-sized prayer set in series, emotion of events that ultimately changed my life. Because just a few days later, after I had prayed that itty-bitty prayer, no joke, 
I got brought into a scenario where I was told that my scope of responsibility within my employment would be restricted significantly because of something that was far outside of my control. And I swear to you that in that moment, I mean, I kind of just wanted to curl up in a big ball, cry my eyes out, go eat a half a gallon of peanut butter cup ice cream and run away. But instead, it's like that prayer I had prayed a few weeks earlier had set inside my soul just a little bit of courage. And so I resigned from my job. Now that's a lot. And it might seem a little bit offbeat this morning for me to overshare so early in this message and with knowing you so little. And maybe it's a little too personal. So let's take it out of the context of my life for just a minute and let's move it into the context of yours. Would y'all go with me to the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. You can open that up in your pew Bibles, on your smartphones, and I believe it's going to be up on the screen behind me as well. Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, the parable of the talents. Here we go. In reference to what the kingdom of heaven will be like, Jesus said, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master." And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest." So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus is a little harsh in those last few lines of the parable. But the context of this parable is really financial, right? Like it's about the currency of the talent, the time, um, the currency from the time that this was written. 
But I've been really fascinated because of this retelling of the parable that I heard a few months back. I've been really fascinated with this parable for the last couple of months, and particularly with the word invest that the author uses in verse 27 when Jesus says, you ought to have invested my money. In fact, so fascinated I am, I am by that word invest that I've chosen it for 2020 as my guiding word of the year and I've plopped it right onto the letterboard in my living room wall. But anyways, the Merriam-Webster definition of the word invest is this, to make use of for future benefits or advantages. But the Greek word used here originally means to bear forward. That's the literal translation of the word invest, to bear forward. That's interesting, right? That definition, to bear forward. Now, I have three very busy little ones at home, two of whom are seated in that pew and are busy currently as well. And they are always running circles around me. So I try every year to read a couple of parenting books. And last year, I read a book called Grace-Based Parenting. And right at the outset of the book, the author, Dr. Tim Keller, has this opening statement that I just love. He says this, our children are a gift that we send into a time that we will not see. I love that statement because when I read it, I started thinking about that word invest. Because I think that the Greek meaning of that word invest, to bear forward, really captures that same idea. Descend into a time that we will not see. And you know what's interesting is that I think as Christians, we have this kind of like innate resistance to the word invest because it often feels like personal gain, right? Like if you take it out of the context of financial investment, which let's go ahead and do that for today. Let's take it completely and totally out of the context of financial investment and limit it instead to the scope of talents and spiritual gifts that our God has given us. And I think even then, if I told you that Jesus wants you to invest and multiply the talents and spiritual gifts that he has given you, my guess would be that half of this room, myself probably included, would have this kind of like resistance to that. Because the word invest feels kind of like this idea of self-development, which seems to be anti the humility and the large strokes missional movement of the gospel. But if you'd indulge me, I really want to kill the resistance in you and in me to the word invest this morning because I don't think it's egotistical and I don't think it's anti-gospel. I think that's why Jesus was so careful to include this parable in his description of what the kingdom of heaven will look like because investment is missional. It's tied to the fulfillment of kingdom come. So for this morning, let's go ahead and redefine the word investment. This is how I'm defining it. Something we do now to move the needle forward on kingdom come as a gift to the future. An exchange that pivots on hope. One more time. Investment. Something that we do now to move the needle on kingdom come as a gift to the future. An exchange that pivots 
on hope. Because you see, there's this future that the New Testament promises us. A future where every broken thing in our lives and every broken thing in this world is going to be redeemed and restored. And the New Testament promises us that we, the church, get to be part of that redemption and restoration promise. And here's what else we know. That each one of us drastically different and uniquely wired with different backgrounds, different personalities, different giftings, diversity of all varieties, the things that each one of us are uniquely wired with are the things that Paul tells us are actually going to build the church and redeem the world through the grace and strength of Jesus Christ. So hang on then. If the Holy Spirit has given us different gifts, each one for a missional purpose, then isn't the development and multiplication of those gifts actually not ego-based or self-absorbed at all, but instead part of the movement towards shalom and kingdom come? That's what I believe. My friend Danielle Strickland said it really well this week on social media, so I'm going to borrow her words. Heroes are those who use what they have and who they are to serve others. I don't want to be the servant who buries the talents that God has given me underground out of fear of failure or fear of how others might respond or fear that maybe, just maybe, I'm actually not good enough after all. Fear is what caused the servant in this parable in Matthew chapter 25 to bury his talent underground. He thought, I can't, I can't lose this. And if this thing, it could cause me more trouble, well, since I can't lose it and it could cause me trouble, then I must just bury it to keep me safe. And I find myself doing that all the time. Because you see, my talents and my spiritual gifts that God has given me are way more sacred to me than any financial resources I have. They're so sacred and locked away into this tender part of my identity that sometimes fear makes me just want to bury them so that no one else can touch them or ruin them or hurt me in a way that would throw off or damage in this irrevocable way some part of my identity. Like, what, what if I risk it all and sacrifice a ton only to go out there and realize that I'm not actually good at all. That there's no more room for my gift. That the table is already full. Y'all, that's the voice of fear and insecurity and maybe even a little bit of pride mixed in. That's not the voice of Jesus. Jesus' voice is one that calls us forward toward the future with hope. He's the one that makes us believe that the future is always pregnant with possibility. I heard that Pastor Rick did an incredible job during the Advent season preaching a stunning sermon on that idea of the future being pregnant with possibility. At the end of that video I've been telling you about by Samantha Beach, she ends it like this. If you don't want to be part of the story that takes place underground, you could ditch the shovel and step into the light. I've made the choice to ditch the shovel and step into the light. 
to develop and multiply what God has given me, to send my very best offerings as a gift into a time that I may never see, to invest in kingdom come, to hear one day the words from my master, well done, my good and faithful servant. And I invite you to do the same. What does it look like in 2020 for you to invest your talents toward the vision of kingdom come? How can you be a good and faithful steward of what God has given you by not just working to maintain, but rather seeking to multiply? Now, each one of us in different seasons and in different places in our lives, this looks drastically different, right? It plays out different for each one of us. Perhaps some of you are in the midst of some really unideal circumstances. And if you are, can I offer up the story of Joseph? It may be of some encouragement to you. Because you see, he developed and he worked on the gift that God had given him, the gift of dreams, even while incarcerated, a pretty unideal circumstance. And God took that offering, his development of that dream, his offering of that dream, and he multiplied it for great impact that changed the narrative of history. Or perhaps you're in a transition season like I am. What can you do right now for those of you in a transition season to hone your craft? What humble assignments or educational opportunities can you take on to develop and multiply your talents? I watched this documentary at the beginning of last year called The Greatest of All Time. And it was about athletes primarily, so not really my cup of tea. But their stories of how they became the greats of their sports were so fascinating because there was something universal between all of these incredible athletes. They all spent time having fun with the thing that they excelled in. They enjoyed it. That's what made them stand apart. And because they enjoyed it, it birthed great creativity and excitement. And so they changed the game, each one of them, through their own creative play. So what does it look like for you to be creative and curious and to have fun with the gifts that God has given you, to be all in on it? Or for some of you in this room who are in your senior years, what incredible opportunities you have to take the things that God has taught you and the resources he has given you and invest them to equip the next generation. My grandma joined me here this morning, and she is an incredible example of that. My grandma teaches me through her wisdom and the things that she has learned, and she also funds me. It's a weird admission from me, but sometimes I'm a little uncomfortable with that. But my grandma, for over a decade now, has been looking for ways to fund the ministry that she believes that God is doing through me and my family. What an incredible gift she is. Do you have people you could invest your wisdom and resources in? And for those of you young people here, I love seeing your faces. Go get it, guys. Go with abandon 
Charge into the future fearlessly. I believe in your generation for innovation unlike the church has ever seen before to move us closer towards shalom and kingdom come. Together, my friends, let's ditch our shovels and embrace and invest and multiply the things God has given us to be good and faithful servants and to move holy and humbly with hope toward the redemption and restoration of our world. God bless you.